Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Good morning. Y'all are doing good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Things that make a pastor happy. What a topic. Hallelujah. Gosh, it's good to see you. Wasn't that a handsome group of men? Wow. And what a word, mighty men of valor. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to address some of that today, I'll bet you, as we go through this. You know, things that make a pastor happy, go to slide two, please, also make a church happy. One of the things that has concerned me in recent years is what God has given emphasis to in a well-meaning way, we have not given the same emphasis that God has given. Pastor Noe spoke to those young men and he talked about staying humble. And that's absolutely the truth. We must be humble. You humble yourself before God and he will exalt you. But if you're pride and arrogant, he will, as pastor said, take care of his business. But on the flip side of that coin, I believe that God has given emphasis in some areas that we have minimized his emphasis. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. You'll notice that I am, go ahead and follow me, Sarah, please. You'll notice that I use the term pastor when I speak to Noe. Now you might wonder, why do you do that? Go ahead with the next slide, please. Follow me. The The reason I do that, I want to explain that to you. You you see, let me say this to you. If God has called you to be a pastor, you're no longer one of the guys. See, I hear pastors say that to me quite often. Oh, you know, I'm nothing special. I'm just one of the, no, you're not. If God has put his mark on you and he's called you as an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, teacher, you are not one of the guys. Now, now you're you're not better than the rest of us, but you got a mark on your life as surely as if it was on your forehead. You you see, when God set aside those in his church to lead us as a church, 
He marked them. As surely as, as, he, as he marked young David, who was a, a young shepherd boy, insignificant in the eyes of those around him, but he was called of God and the calling that was on his life, the mark was there, separated him, can I say this, from others. Not because he was better, but because he was called. He was marked in the midst of that. Now, now what do I call pastor, pastor? Well, let me just run down a little bit my, my rationale in that. Genesis 12, two through four, there was a promise given to a man named Abram. And you'll remember that. He said, he said Abram, come and follow me. I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna take care of you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bless you. And then in chapter 15, the book of Genesis, he said, I'm going to give you a Descendant, I'm going to give you a child. You see, he, he and Sarah were barren. They could have no children. And then in, in Genesis 17, he changes his name. Now listen carefully here. This is important. He changes his name from Abram, which meant one thing, to Abraham which loosely translated means father of many peoples or nations. Now remember, we're taught, why do I call pastor, pastor? I call him pastor because there was a name change that happened. Now you'll remember that prior to this, that for 90 Nine years, Abram was childish, childless, and then he changed his name and he began to be called the father of many nations. Now the man and the wife that were barren, when they began to call him what God called him, she got pregnant, 99 and 90. Sharon and I pray regularly against that. <laughs> but that's what happened. Now, if you follow the story along, you'll see that, that this descendant that God gave him, now, how many of you know that in Proverbs it says that death and life are in the power of your tongue? And then in Mark 11 it says, we have those things that we say. So when I call pastor, pastor instead of Noe, I call him pastor because I don't want a better Noe, I want a better pastor. I call him what God calls him. You, you understand what I'm saying? You see, every time that a pastor hears you say, pastor, it releases something in the spirit realm, in the inner man, in the spirit, 
that is a motivation, that, that, that is a reminder of the calling, that is a reminder of the gifting that is there. Not everybody can be a pastor. Not everybody can be an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist. We can all prophesy, we can all evangelize, we can all preach. But God said, I have called people pastor, evangelist, prophet, apostle. And in calling them, please hear me when I say that, he set them apart. Now I want to show you that very quickly as we look at these verses out of Ephesians. Now notice it says, and he gave some. Some is different than every, is it not? Some separates some from the rest. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Some say that's a hyphenated pastor teacher. Now notice why, verse 12, for the equipping, the King James says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. In other words, when he called the fivefold ministers and put them in that ministry, he equipped them especially to handle and to perform in that area. God did that, church. When I was, went to seminary, I was a young Baptist boy, had not hardly enough sense to get out of my own way. And I remember leaving one class, going down the halls of that seminary to the next class, and my mind was in an absolute haze because I was trying to figure out what the last guy was talking about, and I was about to step into another class where he would begin to talk about things that were somewhere over that little Baptist boy's head. But one of the things that, ama that, that amazed me was we used to sit around in the area where we drank coffee and I would hear someone say, what do you mean God called you? And, and then, then somebody would reply, well, well what are you doing here? Well, I just thought it would be a, a really good life's work. You know, you, 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 you get to dress up and you don't have to work too hard. And it seems like the money was good. That knew right away they didn't know what they was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to think, Dear God, the only reason I'm here is because you call me. 
And let me say this to you. The only reason I'm still here is because he called me. Because there's been many seasons in my life when I didn't want to be here. Understand that. You, you need to honor that in the life. Listen, there's nothing wrong with you calling a person what God called him in the midst of that. Now, why did he call him? Look in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and, to the no and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness in defeat and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. There's a process in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So here, here's the calling. God said, I've called this one to be a prophet. I've called this one to be an apostle. I've called this one to be an evangelist. I've called this one to be a pastor. I've called this one to teach. And then he came along and laid a mantle upon us that simply said this, it is now your responsibility to take my people and lead them into maturity. Have you seen my church, Lord? You, you see, that's the calling of the fivefold ministry to take the lacks of you and make you spiritual. Wow, what a calling, what a challenge, <clears throat> what a responsibility. And then this is the problem. <clears throat> the only authority that he gave us to do the job that he called us to do had to be voluntary. The... You, you understand this? You don't have to do nothing Pastor Noe says. Nothing. He don't have any authority over your life. He can't arrest you and put you in the church jail. You submit yourself to the leadership of the pastor whose responsibility is literally to connect you to God. That's what he said. He, he said, I've called you and I've set you and here's your responsibility. You take that mixed multitude of people who've experienced 900 different things and then in some way, you lead them into a process to where they begin to look like the fullness of Christ. <laughs> wow, what a job. Anybody want to sign up? Go ahead, Sarah. You hear quite a bit about bad pastors. You, 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 you know, they, eh, you know, our pastor ain't much. Well, go ahead, Sarah. You also don't hear quite as much about bad churches. Go ahead, Sarah. 
But the reality is that broken pastors break churches and broken churches break pastors. And the truth really is this, that teamwork makes the dream work. And the reality is it's the only way it will work. Until you and I couple up individually and begin to say, the pastor has the job, the apostle has the job, the prophet has the job, the evangelist has the job, but I also have a job. I have a responsibility because while you may not have been called as an apostle or as a prophet or as a pastor teacher, you've all been called to be disciples of Christ, every one of us. We are commissioned with the commission to grow, to become, to go through the process of, he calls us a mature man. King James, I believe there, uses the word a perfect man, meaning mature. Now, here's the benefit in allowing ourselves to be taught, in, in cooperating, and in becoming a part of the process that God has for us. We are no longer children tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. In other words, in other words it, it gives us an anchor. It gives us stability. It says, I am fixed. You know the old Baptist song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I sh Remember that, Pam? I shall not be. Boy, and they took it to heart. I know a lot of Christians who never have moved. They forgot the process. And you know, you can recognize that when they give their testimony and say, well, back in 1947, I gave my heart to Jesus and I'll tell you I've never been. Well, what happened yesterday? Well, in 1947, I gave. Well, how about the day before? You, you see, your process is a daily walking out process. So, so God has given us leadership. He's given us pastors and leaders. And the reason he's given them is that we might grow up and mature. Now, I don't remember. We're going to go to the book of 2 John. I don't know that I ever remember preaching in 2 John. And I have learned not to question what the Lord leads in doing, but we're going to look at this, and I want to show you things that make a pastor happy. And it's not a four-day work week. It's not a double any salary. Those are good things. It's not raising the car allowance. You're going to be surprised at what John now, let me tell you a little, bit, a little bit about this book, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. 13 verses, 2nd John, 13 verses. It's a letter. It's a note, really. 
Now, do you remember people used to write on paper? Any of you old enough to remember that? When you, when you actually took a pen or a pencil and, and you wrote something on paper and you sent it to somebody, I, I know that's foreign to most of you in here, but, but that's the way we used to do it back then. You know, we would actually write a letter on a piece of paper with, God forbid, cursive. <laughs> you know what I've determined this in another 10 years, if we want a secret language among the senior citizens, all we've got to do is write cursive because can't nobody under 50 read it. Hallelujah. So this is a note that an old preacher man wrote to a group of believers like you He addresses it to a lady, which I believe to be a church. The children, I believe, are the members of that church. Now, there's some discussion about that, but they're, they're entitled to their own opinion. It doesn't matter to me. But the reality is, is when I was, even before I began studying this, the Lord spoke to me about these things that make a pastor happy. And I thought, I've read that book before. I don't remember anything at all about it. And as I prayed about it, I went back and began to read it. Then he just began to, to illuminate these things. And I want to share these very quickly with you today. We're on slide 20, if that's where we need to be. Here's the first thing. The first thing I believe that makes a pastor happy, that made John happy, was a common spirit. Unity based on truth, not on compromise. From the pulpits in many churches today, I hear compromise. That is not pleasing to the Lord. Neither is hate-filled statements from the... That's not pleasing to God. That doesn't demonstrate the character of God. But there is a time when you draw a line and you say, that's it. I'm not crossing over. I'm not passing over. I'm not compromising. This is the truth, and this is as far as I'm going. And that needs to be based upon the teachings of this book, even though many think it's outdated and needs to be revised. It is not outdated. The reason I know this book is not outdated is because it tells me it is a living book. It is a live. It's not Shakespeare. He said it's living, and not only is it living, it's active. Not only is it living and active, it is able to judge the intents of my heart, and it is able to discern what is going on inside of me mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. It's able to do that. So when I say truth, I'm speaking of the Word of God. 
Is it something that is contrary to the word of God? Let me read these first two verses. The elder, John, to the chosen lady, I believe a local church, and her children, I believe are the members. Now notice, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but all who know the truth, for the sake of the truth which abides in us and will be with us. Remember Jesus said that when he was talking about leaving, speaking of the Holy Spirit. See, the Spirit of God doesn't bring division, it unifies because it's the Spirit of truth. And when the Holy Spirit operates truthfully, he brings about unity, not division. That's the work to bring us together. Now, the second thing, verse, uh, slide 22, the thing that makes a happy pastor is a demonstration of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, notice this with me here, because this is not listing a fruit of the Spirit. List, let me read Galatians to you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there is no law. But in verse 3, in 2 John, he says, Grace, mercy from God, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Now notice he says grace and mercy. Now grace and mercy are not gifts of the Holy Spirit. Grace and mercy are gifts from the Father. Their, their grace is, is that which is given to us and mercy is that which is, is extended to us in circumstances where grace is not quite sufficient in the midst of that. So the, the thing I believe that John is saying, listen, I'm really, really happy about this because I see some unity in spirit. And secondly, he said, I'm, I'm happy because I see you operating in this, this truth that's there. Slide 25 says, a thing that makes a pastor happy is faithfulness. Listen to verse 4. I was very glad to find some of your children still walking in truth, just as we have received commandment to do from the Father. I believe that that when a pastor looks at his congregation, he is made joyful when he sees faithfulness. When, it, when we're not moved by every wind of doctrine, when, when, when we're, we, we show up when we don't feel like showing up and we, we step up when we don't feel like stepping up and we do the things that need to be done because they need to be done. It's back to that teamwork thing. Well, well, what's in it for me? See, that's the cry of our society. We're, we're absolutely drunk on meism. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. What's in it for me? Well, you know, he's told you what's in it for you. If you'll do what he said, you'll grow into a mature person and you'll not be cared about by every wind of doctrine. You, 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 won't, be, you won't be fighting over here uh, with, with this doctrine and that doctrine and this thing. You, you'll have it settled. You'll be stable. 
How many of you know we need stable in this day that we live in now? Slide 27 tells us that obedience to the word of God. Listen to verse 5. Now I ask you, lady, not as writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love. Boy, the world needs to hear this, and the church needs to hear this. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard it from the beginning, and you should walk in it. You know, one of the cries we hear from non-Christian groups, people who want to live their life contrary to the word of God. This is what we hear. Where's the love in that? You, you'll hear that. Well, you, 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 you do, do you know that we have lost the distinction between disagree and hate, that the society that we live in, if I disagree with you, then I hate you. If, if I don't agree with your, li your lifestyle, then I hate you. It has nothing to do with me hating you. It has with me disagreeing with your lifestyle because it disagrees with the word of God. See, see, the thing that as a pastor that, 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 that I want to see is, is, is I want people say, I don't like it, so it's wrong. No, 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 no. I disagree with that statement because it says here, see, that, 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 that is obedience to the word of God. That, that's where... That's where you make decisions for your life, not in accordance with what you want or even what you've been taught, but what does the word of God say? See, and, and, and the further, listen, the further we drift away from that, the more worldly the church becomes. Now, I'm not talking about legalistic beating people over the head with the word of God. I'm talking about when you do a genuine study of the word, you draw a conclusion, the word confirms that in more than one place, you build a conviction because the word of God says that. Then it's not me against you, it's you against the word of God. See, that's different in the midst of that. So one thing that I think makes a pastor happy is seeing his people walking in obedience to the word of God. Slide 29 talks of spiritual discernment and brother, do we need it today? Listen to the verse. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Notice verse 8 says, watch yourself that you might not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. 
What's the full reward? Well, he told us over there in Ephesians, he said, I have given to you leadership, pastors, pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. I've given you people to lead you into stability in your Christian faith so that when someone looks at you, what they see is not you, but they see Jesus in you. Years ago, I, I, shortly, I, I, I was born and bred Southern Baptist. Thank God for the Southern Baptist. I was saved in a Southern Baptist church. I was called to the ministry in a Southern Baptist church. I, I was educated in a Southern Baptist seminary. Thank God for the Southern Baptist and their emphasis on evangelism, winning lost people discipleship. Thank God for that. But something happened to me. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now that doesn't mean I was lost and now I was saved. It means that I had a greater revelation of what it is that God had done in my life by the work of the Holy Spirit. Didn't make me better than anybody else. But I remember in those early days, I was struggling and I, I, would, I was fasting and praying and I was saying, Lord, I know what the Baptists say that you want your church to be. And, and I know what these full gospel charismatics say that you want your church to be. But God, what do you want your church to be? That was my question as a pastor. And he said this to me. I want my church to be the visible body of the invisible Christ. That's exactly what he called the fivefold ministry to do, till we become the visible body of the invisible Christ, my terminology. Secondly, he said, I want my church to be a hospital for those that are spiritually sick. And thirdly, he said to me, I want my church to be a training center for eternity. Now, I, I really didn't understand that last thing until later on when I began to see the Holy Spirit manifest among his people. I began to understand what he was trying to say that heaven was going to be like in the midst of that. Spiritual discernment, many antichrist. Does it amaze you as it amazes me how people think in this world? I don't watch the news. I probably haven't watched the news in two years or more because I do not feel like it can be trusted. I don't believe I can take what they say as the truth because it seems to me to be tainted with a worldview that is worldly and not godly. And so it's difficult to find any truth in the midst of that. As I tried to say last week, is God has not left us to our own devices. 
We don't have to take the word of God and say, oh God, I don't understand what that means. What do you mean by that? He, he said this, and, and I want to emphasize it again this week. I have given you the Holy Spirit and he will be in you as he has been with. He said, I am setting you up for success in your walk with Jesus. He said, I'm going to give you everything you need to know to discern my will and to have the revelation of my word. That's the work of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Did Jesus not say, I'll not leave you as an orphan? An orphan is somebody who has no guidance, no no leadership, no, no parenting. He said, I'm going to give you pastors and apostles and prophets. I'm going to give you people in your life that can guide you. I've given you the Holy Spirit who can teach you, and I've given you my word, and I want to reveal it to you. So we have the right stuff, church, to be who we need to be in Christ Jesus. And the good news is, is you have, and you have, and you have, and you have exactly what you need in your life for this time. He has prepared us. You know, Sheridan and I often talk about this thing of getting older, and it's tough. I'm telling you, old age is not for wimps. You need to understand. We need to be old when we're young so we'd have strength to endure it. But, but we, we, it frustrates us the things we can't do. Now, you don't understand. You guys have no clue what I'm talking about. You don't ever think you're going to get old. It sneaks up on you. It's, it's a, it's, it's, boy, it'll, it, listen, it's right around the corner. And you'll wake up one day and you'll think, I didn't know that was there. <laughs> but, but, but we have to discern who we are where we are. In other words, I may not be able to do what I used to do, but that doesn't mean I can't do nothing. I may not have all that I used to have, but that doesn't mean I don't have anything. And you're the same way. Because you see, before you were formed in your mother's womb, and thank God you wasn't aborted, I read something so stupid the other day. I thought, how does that woman ever get up out of bed? She said this. She was an adopted child. And she said this. Well, I wish my mother had had the opportunity to abort me, abort me if she had wanted. Somebody ought to slap her. I mean, here she was. She had enjoyed her life. She had lived her life. She had been educated. She, she seemed to be a reasonable, normal person, but, you know, her statement made me doubt it. But that 
doesn't even make sense, church. Wow. Now here's, we got to hurry. All right. Slide 31 is, is balance. Look at verse 9. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. Boy, can I read that again? Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. What teaching? This teaching. Well, you know, Brother Jim, I've kind of grown beyond that. You know, God has given me some insight and revelation. I was up on the mountain, standing up on a stump upright, and lightning struck. And I had this revelation that God revealed himself in the pine tree. Where? You see, you can go too far. You can move beyond the teachings of this word. This is a relatively simple book. Basically, it says this. You were lost. Well, let me say, it tells you where you came from, what you need, what's wrong with you, and what you need and how to fix it. That's basically what this book is about. Goes too far. Now, you don't have to agree with me, but I believe by the teaching of the Word of God that we can walk out of the will of God concerning our life and our eternity. I was pastoring a Baptist church and we had a lady who had a husband who was a, well, he didn't demonstrate the life of Christ. And I suggested to her one time, could it possibly be that your husband is not saved? to which she had a wall-eyed screaming fit. Ah, no, he's saved. I was with him in vacation Bible school. He was seven years old. And he walked down that aisle when the preacher gave the invitation to come to Jesus. And he walked down there and 17 others walked down there with him and he prayed that sinner's prayer along with the 16 others. I remember when he got saved. Oh, be careful. Little children. Did he not say there is a process that the pastor leads us through into maturity? Is there not a process by which we go through discipling to become? Yes. So he said, you might be out of balance. Slide 33 says the pastor is happy when his church has biblical integrity. Now this is hard church right here. Verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, which teaching? The teaching of Jesus. 
Do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Well, Brother Jim, you just got to love them right where they are. You know, you bring them over to your house. Let me tell you, the church has been infected by trying to love the world. Can I say that again? The church has been infected by trying to love the world. No, you love the world, but you don't be like them. You set an example for them to look for. You bring them something. You give them something that is lacking. You show that you have a better way to deal with the problem. You have a better way to deal with the circumstances of life. That there's a level of victory in your life that's not in their life. You create a hunger in them for what's in you and what's in you is Jesus. Listen, you're not gonna win the tattoo just because you get a tattoo. I'm not, nothing wrong with tattoos. Don't misunderstand that. I'm not saying that. I'm just simply saying you're not going to win people over by becoming what they are and then say, oh, by the way, would you like to receive Jesus? Hand me another joint. No, 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 that don't work. Biblical integrity. Are you striving to live a life in keeping with what the scripture challenges us to live? Two more. Slide 35, personal relationship. Having many things to write to you, I do not want to do so with paper and pen because if I put it on Facebook, everybody will read it and it's more personal. So I need to come to speak to you face to face that your joy may be made full. We've got to have one another, church. We've got to have one another. We've got to have one another. How does the dream work? When the team works. How does the church work? When the team works. When I try to find my place and do what God's called me to do to the glory of God in the local church. When I commit myself, not because it's convenient, because it is absolutely essential. See, personal relationship with fellow believers is not an option. It is an absolute necessity to grow to spiritual maturity. And the last thing, in verse 13, the children, the members of your chosen sister, that's another local church, greet you. See, I believe these things make for a good church and for a happy pastor. When you and I step up, commit ourselves to the word, commit ourselves to the church, commit ourselves to the leadership that God has set before us, when we guard what we say, well, I don't like that, bless it's not about you. I know that's hard for some of you to imagine. Yeah, it's not about you. 
you know, I, I watched that sweet lady come down here and get in front of that, that subwoofer on the floor down there, and it rattles that wall over there. And she's down here just praising God, and I'm thinking, lady, you're hard to hear it? Yeah. There's something. That, we had a lady got healed with her head inside the bass drum right here on this stage one day. Now you go figure, well, I don't, I can't figure that out. But I'm here to tell you, God is in the business of changing the lives of people. Well, you just find your spot. That's all I'm saying to you. Listen, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, right here is, is, is Becky and Noe Cano. They are, I'm gonna say this, they are as good a pastor as I've ever seen in my life. They're not, they're not perfect. In fact, Miss, I told him. I said, I'll work with you, but I can't work for you. <laughs> Why? Because he's 38, good gravy. What's 38 from 79 is 40. I've already lived twice as long as he's alive. He was three years old when we started this church. What does a three-year-old know about nothing? <laughs> but I'm telling you, God has set in our midst people, not, not only pastors, but other leaders that, that, that have a heart for the kingdom of God. They love Jesus and they love us. And, and we, need to be about, we need to be about coupling up and and going forward together. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, when, I, when, when, when we began Harvest Time Church 37 years ago, 18, 1896, 19, <laughs> I'm old, but ain't that old, 1986. And then, you know, you talk about not knowing what he's doing. Boy, flashback. I, had, I woke up every morning in a new world. But I began to pray, Lord, let it last longer than me. Because I've seen so many independent churches that just stopped when the founding pastor stepped aside. And you know what? Would you look around you? See what God... Hath done. Now, you know, rest assured, he's not going to get too prideful because we're going to keep him squelched down. So bragging on him a little bit doesn't boast his ego. You know what it does? I know him well enough and I love him that on the inside of him, all that's been going on right now today as I've been speaking, all that's going on is just a height of responsibility that he's been given by God. That's, I know what's going on inside of him. He's saying, I've, I've got to do my best. I've got to hear God. I've got to obey God. I've got to love my people. I've got to be about the Father's business. You know why? Because God called him to pastor us. 
And you know what? If the team will work, the dream will work. And we'll see God glorified, not only in Matagorda County, but around this world as God uses us right here. Amen. Father, we commit to you as part of the body of Christ. And we're just a little bitty part of it. But Father, you said a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So it doesn't take many of us, doesn't take many churches cooperating together to make a difference in a world that desperately needs Jesus. I pray for Pastor, for his precious wife as she joins along in his calling. A dynamic duo to the glory of God. We thank you for them. We pray for her, their children. We, we pray that you would hedge them about, keep them from the evil one. I, I pray for elders and leaders, for fellow uh, leadership that leads and guides and directs. Thank you for every person that calls Harvest Time home. May we all receive a fresh mantle of anointing today. May we leave here determined to do our part, to run the race, to finish the course. May we be discerners of evil and doers of good. May we be found faithful day by day by day. May we not have to tell everybody that we love Jesus, but that the love of Jesus would simply be permeating out of us, touching the lives of people. Thank you, Father, for Jesus, for the blood that he shed, for the example that he set. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who enables us to walk uprightly in a world that is corrupt. Thank you, Father, that you did not leave us alone, but you sent to us that helper. We bless you, magnify you, and give you praise. In Jesus' name, everybody say Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.